This podcast is for mature audiences 18 and over and for entertainment purposes only. Please contact your healthcare provider before pursuing any of our topics discussed. You're listening to Eat, Play, Sex with Dr. Cat, the place to get play, sex, and nutrition talk straight to your ears. Hey, lovers, and welcome to another episode of Eat, Play, Sex. I'm your sex expert, Dr. Kat, and I'm here in Bali right now. I'm so excited to be recording this in the middle of the jungle. And I just, this, I ran into this amazing human who I've known for a while now and was just like, I haven't seen, I haven't seen you. I haven't seen you in a while. And I was like, oh my God, can we do a podcast episode together? <laughs> and he's like, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't know about that. <laughs> but what if I just don't talk? So no one knows who I am. <laughs> uh, this mysterious man. I mean, on this show. they're on here to hear me That's anyway. True. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> so we're here in the middle of the jungle. I'm about to talk to you about the power of meditation and how it can really uplevel your sex and love lives, which is what we're all about here. <laughs> <laughs> and this is not going to be a snooze fest. I was talking to David and he was he was saying how the buzzword or the word mindfulness puts people to sleep. <sighs> No. <laughs> Boner killer. Boner killer. Oh, but before we get to David, lovers, you are the reason that I do this show. And I want to thank you for tuning in, for spreading the word, leaving reviews and trying some of the suggestions that we recommend. I've been getting epic feedback on the products that I love and use myself because my goal here is to help you to eat, play, and sex better. And if you haven't already, please head to eplaysex.com where you can subscribe to the show, connect with me, and read about how you can up-level your sex, love, and vitality. <sighs> so David... Hi, thank you for being on the show. Totally my pleasure. And it was so serendipitous how we ran into each other after almost, I don't know, eight or nine months. We were in Costa Rica yeah, together teaching we retreats. Back-to-back -back retreats. That's I was right. there and then you were sick and then <laughs> you led your retreat. Yeah. It was quite the journey. And then we were both at this place called the Yoga Barn, which is this really popular spot here in Bali in Ubud. And I just saw Kat and I was like, Kat, Meow. what the hell are you doing in Bali? <laughs> I don't know. I decided last week that I was coming to Bali. I was like, hmm, this sounds like a good idea. <laughs> and then that was the beginning of the coincidence, not the end. So so we said, hi, we, we exchanged numbers. We're like, let's hang out while you're here. And then the next day I went to this cafe. I was looking around for a place to sit for like five minutes. There was nowhere to sit. I went out Outside to this pavilion, there's Kat sitting all by herself, like a goddess. Oh, it's like sprawled a out on this couch, <laughs> looking around like I own the place. Absolutely, Obvi. one one day in Bali, you owned it. <laughs> <laughs> Jungle hair. <laughs> yeah, and so we started talking, and it turned out we're, we were going through the exact same thing. Do you want to share what that is? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, David recently had experienced a heartbreak. 
It's okay. Just a little bit. <laughs> He's going to start crying over here, but that's okay. You know, feel your feelings. That's great. <laughs> um, so he and I had both developed how to navigate and heal from heartbreak. So after you go through a breakup, how do you move through that? And <laughs> mine I created back in, well, it was like March, April, and he just created his. And funny enough, how we both ended up experiencing our own breakups. Yeah, having relationships and while we were making the course or right as the course like was finishing and being ready to be, be shared with the world. And then we went through it. And I mean, as surprised as I am at the same time, I'm not because as teachers, as guides, we often are going through and learning about what we're teaching. So I think we learn something the first time around as students, and then we learn it at a deeper level as teachers. And so I released this course. I separated from my partner. I'm like, Kat, what are you up to? Yeah, he, was, he was like a ball of tears. I was like, um, <laughs> um, here, drink a coconut. And she, and she was like, have this cacao, have this 95% pure Balinese cacao. Open You'll your okay. heart. <laughs> yeah, so similar stories. And we ran into each other in Bali and we're like, let's do an episode together. And, and here I, we are. Yeah, and I think what's even more, you know, synonymous, serendipity. What's the word I'm looking for? Serendipitous, yeah. <laughs> Synchronistic. <laughs> Synchronistic is that David, David Gandelman is the founder of groundedmind.com. He's the host of Energy Matters podcast and teaches meditation at Cornell University. He connects energetic experience, ancient wisdom, traditions, and humor. On occasion. On occasion. Yeah. <laughs> I think. He thinks he's hilarious. And so does my mom and she listens to every episode. You know? <laughs> <laughs> to create it. Are, a- <laughs> are you going to talk about sex with cat? <laughs> <laughs> no, mom. It's going to be about meditation. <laughs> <laughs> Turn it off now. But you also teach people about their natural spiritual abilities and helping them to tap into their creative potential, which is why I think that this story that we both have is so powerful because I was like, oh my God, did I manifest this by, by thinking (laughs) about heartbreak every single day for a month? I actually went through the same thing. I was like, did I create this because I've been meditating on it every day, shooting videos about it, writing about it, working with my clients about it? Like, did I just absorb too much of it and then make it happen? And then when some of the sadness kind of started to come off and out, I realized it's not that simple. It's it's <laughs> deeper than that. It's It's almost like that idea is being a victim of yourself, you know? So I realized, oh, I'm not a victim of this. I'm learning and growing. And it was an amazing relationship and it taught me so much. And I'm going to use that to help my students get through what they're going through. And so, um, well, actually, we didn't mention this in my intro, but I teach on an app called Insight Timer, which is uh, my favorite app. It's the most used meditation app in the world. I actually just found out it's used more than the other 1,800 meditation apps combined. What? Yeah, uh, it's true. You can go on my Instagram. <laughs> it's it is there. true. <laughs> There's like Trust a pie me. chart. It is true. Uh, they told me, the engineer, he told me, he counted. And so uh, <laughs> so anyway, I have I have a course on there and it's not about relationships. It's called Letting Go of Attachment. And there's like a section where people leave comments and questions. And there's hundreds of comments and questions all about relationship and heartbreak. And so that was happening. And I was like, all right, I get it. Everyone's asking for the same thing. So let me create mm. this course 
course. So what I'm really saying is insight timer, this is your fault. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? That's actually the one that I recommend to all of my clients. And I use that one myself every day. Yeah, it's great. It's, it's a great app. There's yeah. so much content on there. You'll, it, you'll never run out. It's pretty cool. Yeah. And attachment, like that word is just sticking with me right now because I've also written a lot about attachment as well. And so what, how, what for people who are new to meditation or, or just curious, what does, what does your teaching say about attachment? Yeah, that's a great question. We could answer it on so many, so many different levels. But when you talk about it in the context of meditation, and then I think we'll go into relationships, but in the context of meditation, when we all close our eyes to meditate, the first thing that happens is that our thoughts stick to our consciousness like Velcro. It's like you have a thought and it just like, you cannot pull it out of your consciousness or it loops around, right? Over and over. You have that oh argument with your partner like 17 times where you say that mean thing again and again, and it turns out like it wasn't even true, but you're just like looping in it. And so mm -hmm. on, on, a, on a mind level, we get attached to our thoughts very, very easily. Most of us, I can't speak for everyone listening to this, but for me, definitely. And so first and foremost, we get attached to our thoughts. We go a little deeper with that and we get attached to our story. So when we put enough thoughts together, like Christmas tree lights, then we have this thing called my story and, uh, and you know, hi, nice to meet you. My name is so-and-so. Let me just throw up my story all over you. That's the worst <laughs> Christmas tree I can and imagine. Happy holidays. This is what happened this year. This <laughs> is my story. <laughs> Cat, I haven't seen you in eight months. You wouldn't believe it. I had a breakup. Want to hang out and do a podcast? Um... <laughs> I'm going to get a different tree. So it starts there in our own heads. We get attached to our thoughts, right? And then we can get attached to money. We can get attached to our past. We can get attached to our projected future. And of course, we can get attached to a partner or an ex-partner or even the idea of a partner. Uh, a great spiritual teacher that I really love to listen to, Kyle Cease, if you haven't heard of him, oh check God, him out. I love He's him. so funny. Oh. How many spiritual teachers out there were comedians and then became teachers. He might be the, literally the only one that I know of. <laughs> so I just pretend to be one. So he says that, that uh, heartbreak, it's not so much that we get, get our hearts broken, it's that we get our expectations broken. I just wrote about that. Yeah. Like a couple days ago. Well, oh God, go. David and I are like, <laughs> we're so tapped we're in. We're on the same page here. When I cry, she cries. <laughs> So, so, and, and I realized that about myself. It was all those stories in my head where mm. you broke my expectations and not just mm. with this partner, but with many. So if any of my ex-partners are listening to this, I want you to know that you broke my expectations. You should have lived up to them uh, because you're you made an a, asshole. Yeah, you're a dick. You were supposed to fill in the gap. My parents didn't and you didn't. So now I hate all, just kidding, not even going there. Love you all. <laughs> so our expectations get broken. And mm. our, of course, our hearts also do get broken. And I think attachment happens on a lot of levels, Kat, and you're way more uh, learned about this than I am. Uh, but, you know, on a biochemical level, we're attached. On an emotional level, we're attached. Mm. On a mental level, on a physical level, uh, there's definitely some people get very attached to the sex. And then when it's gone, they're like, oh my God, like, that creates a sadness in them. Mm. It's almost for some people, it's like losing a limb. You just, it's like this phantom girlfriend or boyfriend, right? It's like you wake up and their, their shadow is there. Their energetic body is there and you're still having a conversation with them. And as much as we all think we're so spiritual and so advanced and so 
on top of it. We all go through this. And what I've heard from almost 100% of my students and clients who've gone through this is that they, they don't like that it's taking longer than they think that it, that it should. Like, like healing from relationship always seems to take longer than we think or feel that it should. We're like, it's been a year, it's been two, it's been four, and I'm still thinking about them and I'm still stuck on it. What the hell do I do? And I've had people write to me, it's been five years, nothing has changed, you don't know shit. (laughs) Really? Yeah. And then I'm like, mom, don't write that. (laughs) (laughs) It's not cool. Everyone can see that comment. (laughs) (laughs) So, and, and so... From my perspective, I see attachment as not something that's necessarily a bad thing because I think we we also hear a lot, don't have attachments or release your attachments. And I'm like, yo, you know how difficult that is? Like, it's easy to say that, but then to actually practice it, not so much. I could not agree more. And is that the actual goal? Is the goal to release attachments? And I actually think that attachments can also be seen as a, a sense of grounding because our minds have this natural process uh, that takes over time, right? Yeah. We have experiences that are input into our brain and the data is processed through the brain in its own time frame. Yeah. Right. And so attachment grounds us into that. If we continue to complete the stress response, if we continue to sit with it and allow ourselves to feel it all the way through every single time it comes through, then that helps us to actually process the attachment. Yeah. And that's a, the experience. I think that's a great kind of neuroscientific uh, perspective of, of what, what happens to us. And from an energetic perspective, the way I like to, there's, there's a great quote about attachment. It's that it's not that we should own nothing. It's that nothing should own us. Mm. And this idea that we should not care, not be attached to anything. That is a very ancient masculine spiritual tradition. I lived in India for a long time in the Himalayas. And that, that is part of the tradition. People will argue with me about that, but what I've noticed, you know, I've met a lot of yogis living in caves, owning nothing but a blanket. There is this, that lineage of that tradition in Buddhism of like leaving the palace, having everything, leaving everything behind, living in the forest, not having any relationships or attachments of any kind. Yeah. I know. And the female, the feminine in each of us that loves that connection, that nurturing. And I don't mean just women. I mean, all of us, we all have this part in us that loves that connection and nurturing. It's not just feminine, but that is a big part of it. That doesn't get any, we we don't fulfill that with that approach of like, it's all nothingness. Mm -hmm. Or in India, they say everything is Maya. So everything is an illusion. Everything is an illusion. Nothing matters. You'll always see male scientists on YouTube talking about quantum physics and saying how we're all an illusion. And we're, you know, Yes, on a metaphysical level, maybe that's true, but that doesn't make anything less important. Mm -hmm. And I think that you are right, Kat, that attachment is not a bad thing. to, To come out of an unhealthy attachment... You have to be able to accept your attachment and change your attitude towards mm-hmm. yourself. So if you're beating yourself up for being attached to a partner that's been gone for three years, or you're beating yourself up because you're attached to a self-image of who you are, then that's just going to exacerbate it and actually strengthen it. So if you can shift 
the attitude that you have towards yourself, then you're going to see that attachment actually shift along with you because it's a reflection of you. Mm. So the idea that attachment is bad, I also don't buy it. I, I really don't. I think that's far too simplistic. There's some really healthy attachments. And I've had people write to me in my course say, should I not be attached to my children? Should I not be attached to my partner? Should I not be attached to my disabled like cousin who I'm taking care of? I've gotten all of these comments. I'm like, no, go ahead, stay attached. I mean, work through your stuff at the rate you need to. And if you need to be like on, in an unhealthy attached way to somebody, I didn't say that correctly, but you know what I mean, for a few years and then you get a realization, then do that. If you're ready, like, you're on step nine out of 10 and you're ready to really bust through an unhealthy attachment, then do that. So this like one size fits all attachment is unhealthy. Uh, that's that to me is way too simple and it's way more nuanced than that. And I think if you're listening to this, you know that inside yourself and there's layers and levels of energy that you want to work through in relationship, particularly here to relationships. And I, let's, I think we're going to talk a little bit about that today and how to navigate it. Yeah. So what I'm hearing is a lot of loving kindness, compassion, allowance. And the moment that you start shaming yourself, it's like backing up the, the drain pipe and things can't flow through you anymore. Yeah. And guys, you don't want to back up drain pipe. That's <laughs> crazy. Yeah. <laughs> you start making bad decisions. You know, as oh Robin God. Williams says, we have two heads, but only enough blood to operate one at a time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. He thinks he's so funny. <laughs> I'm not. It was Robin Williams. He was. So now you have such a fascinating background too. And this was really curious to me. Like <laughs> I'm learning more about you in this, in this jungle trip, <laughs> but it, the, you have a lot of background in energy work and, um, intuitive uh, practices and that kind of thing. And, and that, how do you see that? Well, I guess start with that. What, what is your background or what was your story with that? Sure. So, um, I went to magic school, <laughs> Yay. Little Harry Potter kind of school. But before that, uh, you know, when I was 16, I started meditating deeply. That's a whole story in and of itself. But essentially my brother came home from college. He was exploring other levels of consciousness, let's say through substance maybe. And uh, he got me to read a book, which I never, ever did. It was Eckhart Tolle, uh, Power of Now. Mm. And it totally- Power of Meow? Power of Meow. <laughs> That's right. And it really, at 16, something in me just shifted and woke up. And I started meditating really, really deeply. I yearned to go live in India. I grew up in the suburbs in New Jersey. There was no spirituality, <laughs> no meditation. I probably didn't meet somebody for four years that meditated. And I just, just read hundreds of books on the topic and was just obsessed. My parents were like, what's up with this kid? And why is he sitting in his room all day long? We thought he was doing something else, but it seems like he's actually just sitting still. And so that eventually <laughs> led me to live in India. I moved up to the Himalayas, lived in an ashram. I shaved my head. I wore all white. I was a very good, kind, loving person all the time. Mm -hmm. End of story. Mm -hmm. Thanks for listening, everyone. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then one day, a friend of a friend who was kind of a witch, maybe, I don't know. She said, would you like an intuitive reading? And I said, would I like a what? what? What did you say? <laughs> and I didn't, I'd never heard those words before. I thought I knew everything about spirituality, thought I'd read every book. She sat me down on these pillows in the Himalayas overlooking the Ganges River. She closed her eyes. And for about 20 minutes, she just read my energy. And she, she looked at me with her eyes closed, Cat, It was 
and she knew things about me that are so hard to describe. She was saying how I felt and not in a general way, in a very, very specific way. And I could feel energy like melting off me like an iceberg melting. It was the weirdest thing. I literally spent two days in bed after that reading, like like just energy melting off me, crying, like barely able to get out of bed. I had no idea what was happening. I went back to her. I was like, you witch, what did you do? How did you do it? Oh and most God. of all, where did you learn how to do it? And she was like, I... Uh, she was European. She's like, I learned at this school in Hawaii. Mm. And I was like, I'm going. I bought a plane ticket. I moved to Hawaii. I was in a backpack. I hitchhiked out of the airport, I slept on someone's floor for a month, pulled weeds on a farm for three months, put kayaks on cars, all to just pay for my training. Uh, I spent seven years at this school. I eventually became the director of it, teaching guiding other people. And the entire process was to learn how to meditate, how to read other people, how to see energy, how to heal. If those words don't mean much to you, we can get into that. But if you're listening to this podcast, you probably have heard that lingo before a little bit here and there. And so essentially what I do, uh, part of my day job, as crazy as this sounds, is I close my eyes with my clients and I look at them for who they are, that energy, that essence beyond the physical body, beyond that form. And I read what is what is what what they're going through. So not in this like corner of New York City, like psychic, uh, you know, one of those fortune telling ball, crystal balls where like in two years you're going to have a baby and in four years you're going to be rich, you know. Uh, actually today, somebody said, I went to go see a Balinese healer. He told me I was going to die soon and I had to pay 300,000 rupiah and he would heal me so I would stay alive. And, you know, so none of that crap. That's not what I do. It's much more nuanced than that. And when it comes to relationship, it's been so helpful because I've read thousands and thousands of people. And I've learned to look as, I mean, I'm by means not perfect at all, but I practice looking at someone past their physical form and seeing that essence of them. You want to call it spirit. You want to call it energy. You want to call it consciousness. You want to call it Atman. Uh, I don't care what you call it, the self. We all know that essence, right? Like when we're deeply intimate with somebody, we go beyond, our eyes are closed, we're touching, even we go beyond touching. There's something deeper, even beyond emotion. There's something that when our hearts get broken, we yearn for in the other person that we cannot describe. Uh, The closer we get to the truth, the harder it becomes to describe. That's why I know I have no one way to describe it. I'm happy with however people describe it. But essentially, I learned to. I've learned to, and I teach people how to look at people in that way and see them for who they actually are in that energy. And if you could, if you could bring that into a relationship, uh, it can really shift the dynamics of relationship. Obviously it hasn't worked perfectly for me because here we are, <laughs> mm-hmm. but I don't think it's meant to. And my good friend, Alan Cohen, who's a great spiritual teacher. If you've never read any of his books, check them out. He's, he says that, uh, I don't think this is his original quote, but he says that every relationship has a reason, a season, or a lifetime. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and when he said that to me on my podcast recently, I was like, damn, dude, why didn't you say that to me like five years ago? Because it was so true because we project that every single relationship is supposed to last forever because that's what happened to our grandparents and their grandparents and their grandparents. You get with 
someone you stay together till you die because the life expectancy is 35 and that's how it's done. And we are the first real generation, I think, that has truly grown up in a different dynamic where that maybe just isn't true for everyone. We have many relationships, Mm. most of us anyway. So I've been learning to not see it as such a failure, Kat. I I wonder, are you? I'm sure you are. I mean, I see this, I also see it as uh, relationships as teaching grounds. You know, this is my teacher. And in this particular moment, we're in resonance with one another for the reason of just where we're at in our own personal evolution. You know, I'm calling in this person and this person is showing up as um, my mirror. You know, I, I can see the places that I struggle with intimacy because I'm seeing that in my partner or I'm projecting onto this person. They're not showing up powerfully for me. Well, how am I not showing up powerfully for myself? I love projecting. It's my favorite. You love projecting. (laughs) Sit down. Let me project. (laughs) Let me tell you who you are and not look at myself. That's right. It's all you. (laughs) So when we do intuitive readings, if we project, we fail. That, I mean, you can't project on someone and then read them because you've just given them a false reading mm-hmm. and they're not going to be too happy about, you know, paying you for a session and you're not going to give them in any insight. So from my perspective and through my training, reading thousands of people, you know, I have matches with people. They're going through heartache or going through lack of money energy or going through stuckness around relationship with their family. And I've had all those things. And so as I would read them and work with them, I would work through those things one after the other after the other. So for many years, and I have a degree in philosophy, I read books. And then when this thing happened to me and I started to train in intuitive readings, I started to read people Mm. instead. Mm. And so I read one person after another, after another, and I learned what all the different energies looked like. So not on an intellectual level, but on an energetic level, I could see what certain forms of heartbreak looked like in someone's space. I could see what attachment looked like. Uh, I, I remember doing a session with one woman. I'd never met her. She was probably in her 60s. And this was many years ago, so she, don't worry. She's not listening to this. Very vague. And I said, honestly, I'm, I'm looking at you. I see that uh, you're single. Is, is that true? And she's like, yeah. I was like, it looks like you haven't had a relationship in a really long time. Is that true? She's like, yeah. I'm like, how, just tell me the years, how long? She goes, 30 years. It's like 30 years you haven't had one. Wow. Okay. So I just kind of stared at her for about two more minutes. And then I said the craziest thing. I said, as weird as this sounds, but did like someone steal one of your eggs? I don't even understand what that means. Cause I, I didn't understand. So I just kept staring at it. And then I just had to say, and she goes, you know what? I actually believe that someone did like this long, weird convoluted story. And it had traumatized her severely and she had never had a relationship again. I won't go into all of that detail, but that energy had gotten so stuck that for 30 years, she wouldn't even touch a relationship. And then in that session, we started to you know, unravel some of that and work some of the layers off so she can maybe take a next step with it. Mm. And so that is more of the kind of thing that I, that I do. Hopefully that gives you some insight into, into how it works. Mm. And so if we can do that with other people, we can also learn to read ourselves. So of course people come to me and what do they do, Kat? They ask me for their answers. Here's money. Tell Tell me me what's going to happen. Tell me what to do. Tell me why my partner's wrong whatever it is. I get that all the time. Of course. Right. We all, even I do that to other healers. I'm like, tell me, uh, (laughs) (laughs) I'm not perfect. Yeah. Why? (laughs) And so 
if we can learn to see into ourselves, then we can read ourselves clearly, honestly, objectively, uh, with neutrality and compassion, then we can really shift. And mm-hmm. so the, the core of this work that I do is not about reading other people. That's the mirror. It's actually about learning to read yourself. So every day sitting, closing your eyes. So we have two eyes to see out, to see the physical world. And we have one eye to see in, to see the energetic world, to see the emotional world, to see the mental world. So when we close our eyes, for most of us, it's just dark. But when you learn to meditate properly, you actually can start to look around and you go, wow, I see my mother. I see my friends. I see this trauma five years ago. I see all these projected futures. I see the mess that my business is. You know, I I see all of these broken dreams, whatever it is. I see all this stuff. We have to learn how to navigate that space the way we navigate the physical space. But the problem is nobody ever teaches us how. And so we just close our eyes and we go, I'm going to do mindfulness and just watch my breath and just let that mess, hopefully it'll just fade away. But you know what? It doesn't fade away. And I've seen the most masterful mindfulness meditators just be real dicks because they're not actually working through their stuff. They're just sitting and watching their breath and ignoring. Wow. 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 So back up because I think a lot of us, the mainstream image of mindfulness is to watch your breath. That's right. And so you're suggesting something different. Radically different. Now, I'm not saying that's a bad technique at all. I mean, that is like the technique of the Buddha, right? Incredibly powerful. You should do mindfulness, in my opinion, and integrate it into your practice. But from my experience with people, it tends to not be enough. And it tends Mm -hmm. to be why most people quit meditation and and or they just can't continue in a sustainable practice because there's so much chaos going inside of them and no one's actually teaching them how to deal with it. So they're just closing their eyes and watching it and Mm -hmm. then not navigating it properly. So there is a certain navigation that needs to happen of how do I work with energy? How do I clear the noise out of my head, all the other people's thoughts and emotions and and pain and fear? How do I recognize if a feeling is my feeling or somebody else's feeling? Because a lot of people, the feelings that they have, they think are their own and they cause anxiety. But in my experience, like 90% of those feelings belong to the rest of the world. Wow. And so if we can recognize that and let it go and we're left with our own feelings, which is like 10% of that, then we're like, you know what? I'm not as crazy as I thought I was. I'm actually okay. Like things aren't as bad. I was just being a sponge and absorbing the shit out of the energy of everywhere I would go. I'd go to a party, absorb it. Then I wouldn't want to go to parties. I would go to work and absorb it. Don't want to go to work. And every time I'd get with a partner, I would absorb all of their past pain and trauma. Don't want to be in a relationship. And so many of us are very sensitive to energy and we absorb it and then we don't know what to do. And then we sit with mindfulness and it's just some other person is raging inside of us and it's Mm. literally not us. So what do we do? So we have to learn how to become aware of energy. So even right now with me, as we're listening to this, you know, if you're driving, you know, make sure you pay attention, but you can become aware of energy. So if you hear more than one voice in your head, ask those voices, who are you? And they might answer, or you might see who it is. Some of us have two, three, 10, 30 voices in our heads and we just get used to it. Mm -hmm. But if I'm like arguing in my own head, then there's me and who I'm arguing with, right? Or there's two other voices arguing, and I think I'm both or neither. (laughs) And now I'm crazy as fuck. (laughs) 
So we have to start to recognize that. And the more we learn how to look inside of our own space, the more we recognize energy. Or for example, you feel anxiety on your chest. How many of us get this? There's this bubbling up in the chest or in the stomach. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, we feel anxious. I can't tell you how many times that energy is actually somebody else that's anxious or somebody else that's upset at a distance who you have a strong connection with and they're running their energy through you consciously or unconsciously. They're thinking about you, texting you, hoping you'd message and you can feel that in your <gasps> chest and you're like, yes. I don't feel good, but you think it's you because it's inside you. But most of the time, often it is actually not you. You're just being sensitive. And if you can differentiate between when it is and when it isn't, you're going to really empower yourself and be much more sane. And then we could start stepping into relationships in a healthy way. But if you're somebody that goes into relationships and you heal the shit out of the other person, or they're always healing you, or you're absorbing what they're going through, or they're absorbing what you're going through, then you're going to fight and never be able to reconcile it because neither of you realize how much of the other person's energy you're absorbing. Mm. And if we don't realize that, then we can't really take steps forward. And with my partners, I've worked on that. We've been conscious about it and meditating, and we've even texted each other, like, I can so feel your anxiety right now. And then we'll like laugh it off. Like, yeah, I was totally super, super anxious right there. Thank you for, for being aware. I'll pull it back. <laughs> yeah. Which on the, so if we come from an attachment theory, we do talk about our cardio respiratory systems linking up. So that's why that's part of the reason physiologically why couples will feel the other partner's anxiety or, or even across countries. That's so cool. Yeah. You explain it much more scientifically than I ever could. All <laughs> I know is like, my chest hurts. Is she okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and, and so uh, you, you can come at it from so many angles and describe it in so many different ways, but essentially I think we all have these experiences, but we don't know how to navigate them because nobody teaches us and there's not a lot of places to learn. And so that's what I do is I teach people how to become aware of energy in this way so that we can read ourselves, meditate, work through our own stuff, and then hopefully have healthy relationships. So if I can see deeply and honestly into myself, I'm much more likely going to be able to see deeply and honestly into you. Mm. If I'm pretending, being fake with who I am, if I'm lying to myself about how I truly feel, there's no way I'm going to be able to see you for who you are. And I'm much more likely to get into a relationship with someone hoping that they'll heal me or praying that they'll see me for who I am because I need that healed. So if I'm living a fake life, I'm going to manifest a partner that I'm hoping will see me for who I really am. And when they break that expectation, which they will, because I haven't done it yet, and when they break that expectation, then I'll start to be upset with them and be like, you broke my heart. You didn't see me for who I really was. But the truth is, it's because I wasn't seeing myself for who I was. Because if I was, I would know if they were the right person for me or not. And I wouldn't take it so personally if they could see me or not, because I would be deeply rooted and honest in myself. So on so many different levels, becoming aware of energy is incredibly, incredibly valuable. Well, I also want to back that up and also say that you can also you can be working so much on yourself and still go through a relationship split and i don't think yeah. that has anything to do with your value or where you're at in your own evolution but it's simply that the two of you are no longer in resonance thank you i feel better <laughs> <laughs> here's the tissue yeah it's, i mean that's true and um this last uh, separation I've gone through has definitely been more conscious, I think, hopefully, mm, than, than the pre I mean, previous one. It's not over for sure. But every day working on it, making sure that you meditate, you sit down, you reflect before you send a text that's not healthy, 
wait till the emotion passes uh, and really work on it yourself so that you don't create chaos. <laughs> so here you're describing meditation as sitting with the feelings, watching them, um, asking yourself questions. So there's more yes. of an activity in that type of meditation. Than Much just... more of an activity. So for let's, yeah, let's do a little, let's learn a tool. <gasps> oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> so for example, if you were to sit for meditation in the morning, you close your eyes and you, you get this looping thought of like, what am I going to do today? What am I going to do today? I feel anxious. What am I going to do? Am I going to text or call that person? Or for example, if it's with a relationship, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Uh, why is it not right? Why do I not feel good? Why am I anxious? Why can't I get over this? Uh, if you get that, which many of us do on, on one level or another, I want you to almost take that film reel and then just like freeze it. Like mm. you just freeze it cold and just paste it on the screen of your mind like you're watching a movie screen. And I want you to just look at it for a moment and just see the energy behind it. So it's not the thought that matters. It's not the thought. It's not the sequence of thoughts. It's the energy behind the thoughts. So what's the energy behind those thoughts? Oh, I see anxiety. Okay. That's the first level. There's obviously anxiety. Well, what's underneath anxiety? Because anxiety is never the real thing. It's always like mm. the service level energy. It's a response to something else, right? The body doesn't like what it's feeling. So now it's anxious. Okay. You know what? I actually see anger. I'm angry at this other person because they broke my expectations. Those fuckers, right? All right. Now I'm angry. Well, that might not be it either. Let's look closer. Whoa. I see an image of my dad letting me down when I was like seven. Damn. And now I'm sad. And that image comes out and the energy that's been stuck on it comes out. It's like a, electrons, they have like fields of, they have a charge, right? Pictures have charges. Some of them are positive. Some of them are negative. Our, our, our memories have charges to them. And when they have a real strong charge, they stick. And then they create more images. And then we think we're mad at our partner or ex-partner, but it's this deeper image that's been stuck for a long time. And mm. if we sit long enough, if we go deep enough, those images come out. And when those images come out, there's like this huge energetic release. We feel like we've literally let out like a, like a brick and we feel energetically lighter. And then we could see more clearly and we make better decisions. So it's hard work. It hurts. I'm not saying it's easy, but it's necessary to look at this stuff inside yourself. So essentially you're learning to look at yourself with your eyes closed the yeah. way that you hope somebody else would look at you, but you're doing it for yourself. Yeah. That is the core of the work that I teach and practice. Mm. Now, does that ever come to an end and you're like, I'm done? Uh, has it for me? <laughs> Could for you? I don't know. I'm very skeptical of people who tell me they're done. Yeah. It's just, there's so much allowance and creating space for yourself and you think when you create space for yourself and, and really tune in and be present with yourself, um, you call in somebody who's also be able to hold space for you as well. Oh, I love that. So let's get to creating a partner. Creating a partner. <laughs> Is this like build a bear? Build a bear. I want blonde hair <laughs> and a cute buttony nose. <laughs> And a pocket full of cash. Oh God! <laughs> Let's just keep going. <laughs> what's what's coming eyes. to my what's coming to my, oh my God? Oh, uh, what's coming to my mind is uh, one of my favorite books is by Thich Nhat Hanh, and he yeah. says, you know, love is presence. Mm -hmm. I think presence is almost the 
Ma- this is just how I see it. This is how I describe it. Presence is like the masculine form. And then the feeling behind it, the presence is the feminine form. And when we put them together, we have presence and love together. Because <gasps> mm-hmm. presence without love, I think, is a little empty. And love without presence is unconscious. So when we have those two things together, which I think we're usually missing one or the other. There's a mm-hmm. lot of people who are obsessed with love and then they get in deep attachment issues because they have no presence. A lot of people with presence have no attachments and they have no real good, healthy, deep relationships. And I've seen mm-hmm. that piece missing both pieces missing in different people and in myself. And I was always like living in the Himalayas with my head shaved, non-attachment, everything's an illusion. None of you are real. You're everyone listening to this. You're just quantum particles in my own God's mind's eye, right? Like, come on. That's romantic. Yes. Yeah. Oh, honey, you're just an illusion. Let me touch you. (laughs) No. All right. Even if it's fake, let's, let's enjoy it. So (laughs) Was that a fake orgasm? No, it was real. I mean, quantumly it was fake, but no, it's real. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, that was So those two things together, when you have them both, which is a really tough place, but valuable place to get to, then your relationships are really going to take a step. Mm, Wow. And how have you seen, so we've been talking a lot about relationships and navigating heartbreak. Um, How do you see mindfulness and meditation helping in, in regards to our sex lives? Well, I've never had any, but I've, I assume <laughs> that it's fantastic. <laughs> oh <laughs> dear, his, this topic, I'm sweating. <laughs> he's uh, in his mind's eye. <laughs> I'm so like calm and collected. And then Kat brings up sex and I, I'm just like, he's shaking. It. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, I don't know anything. Stop the recording. <laughs> um, what I would say to that is, well, let's start with, let's start with some technique. Let's, let's get into the practical. Oh We're going to do some practices over here in the middle <laughs> oh of the boy. body oh, yeah, I really forgot what jungle. I was going to say. <laughs> I, I lost my mindfulness. So <laughs> you sit across from your partner if you have a partner. Let's say, for example, even if you're practicing with a friend, your knees are touching, your legs are crossed. One way, you could be dressed or undressed. Another way is you can wrap your legs around each other in different ways, whatever is comfortable for you. But let's just start with our knees touching and then our hands. So for example, your partner's left hand on top of your right, and then, then your right on top of their left, uh, the other hand. And so it creates a circuit of energy. Our knees are touching. We're looking at each other. Where are we looking at each other? In the eyes. In the eyes. Um, you know, some people say like left eye to left eye creates more of like an intimacy in the brain, but I don't think that, I mean, you don't want to overthink it. Overthinking things tends to, yeah, be another boner killer. <laughs> You're <laughs> overthinking it. So for a moment, looking at each other and then closing your eyes and then sitting and meditating for a few minutes, maybe five to 10 minutes until the noise starts to subside, until your noise starts to subside and their noise so you can feel each other. So we went from thinking about each other or thinking about feeling each other. I'm thinking about feeling you to actually becoming aware of each other's energy. All right, now not only can I sense her heartbeat or her breath or his heartbeat or breath, but now I can sense like your energy. It's like expansive, it's contractive, it's open, it's Mm. closed. All of a sudden I can kind of feel you. And then we can go deeper than that. Not only can I feel you, but I can sense your energy running through my hands. And what does that feel like? So sometimes it'll feel like a tingling. Sometimes you'll see Mm. a color. Sometimes it's just like this, everyone, Everyone experiences it differently because every experience of meditation with each other is different. So I can't give it just one form, but there might be a rush of 
openness or a rush of love or a slow, steady stream of calmness and compassion. It depends on the energy that the person is running, to be honest. Mm. So if they're running anger and you sit to meditate, you might feel that. Mah. Yeah, that's why we meditate together for, for five to 10 minutes first or longer. If you're, if you're meditators, sit for 20 or 30. And then we start to let the energy move between us in uh, a circuit from your left hand to my right, through my body, through my heart, to my left hand, to your right, through your heart and around. And so now we're feeling our energy, not as individuals that are separate, but now we're together in a circuit. And then what does that feel like? Because that's what we're all really going for is connection. Yeah. Connection beyond even touch. So we start with touch and then we go into the deeper layers, layers of consciousness and energy. And then from there, it can really go anywhere. You can go into so many deep layers. So for example, what if we both were sitting in our hearts and we're meditating, what would that feel like to feel your heart from my heart? What if we were both in our throats in that creative space and I was feeling your throat center from mine? What if I was in that sexual, sensual space in my lower abdomen or in uh, yoga, they would call the second chakra and I was feeling that very sexual energy from you? What would that feel like? Or what if I was in my, what yogis would call the crown chakra on top of the head, that divine connection. And I felt you from that space and you felt me from that space. What would that be like? So we start to become intimate on all of these different levels of consciousness and we just explore. Now that may turn sexual or it may not. And you just explore each other's energy and you know each other from a deeper level, deeper mm-hmm. layer, deeper level, deeper place. Wow. I'm so turned on right now. (laughs) Well, that's a first. (laughs) (laughs) You know, this reminds me a lot of Tantra. Yes. I would say Tantra includes some of these practices, Mm -hmm. but I've also honestly just sometimes make them up. We can make up our own practices because they're innate inside of us Mm -hmm. and we just know how to connect. So I had a partner once and I thought, you know, I want to know what it's like to experience you from each energy center. Let's practice. What if we just both do it together. Go down each one, go up each one. The default setting is we're going to experience each other from our second chakras, which is sexual, right? That's how, that's the normal kind of uh, default relative energy in the human species most of the time. If, uh, if we step up into the heart, that's where many people want to be. Like, let's both be in our hearts. We want to love each other. So this relationship is moving from sex to love, from lust to love. Now we're going deeper. That's kind of the end goal for a lot of people. But there's much more exploration than that. What if we go and experience each other on the spiritual realm, uh, on the out-of-body realm? What if we experience each other in our dreams I mean, how cool is that? What if we have sex in our dreams and we both wake up and we're like, damn, that was, I'm a little wet somewhere. That was wild. And I've had that happen where we've woken up and had similar experiences. This is a good story. (laughs) Tell me more. No kidding. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Even at a distance. Yeah. At a distance. Um, Mm -hmm. And so we, there's so much more to learn about who we are and each other. And intimacy really brings that out in us. And the last thing I'll say about this is I've been in a, lot of spiritual circles from India to Hawaii to LA to Bali. You know, I've, I've been in a lot of spiritual circles and so many people get lost in just this strange idea that the heart is the end all be all. It's all about the heart. Love, 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 love. Mm -mm -mm. 
<laughs> but you know what? It's just one dimension of an infinite number. And if you leave it alone for a while and explore some others, you might actually have an easier time coming back to it because mm. it, we put so much pressure on our hearts to make us happy. We're mm. saying to our hearts, hey, you're the heart. I want love make me happy. And the heart is like, Hey, I can only do so much at a time, dude. Maybe go up into some other planes, come back when I'm ready. Mm. So we have to treat ourselves kindly and then we'll open up. And then maybe going back to manifesting and creating a partner when our energy shifts enough, the outside shifts, right? When we are ready, then of course, things in, our, in the world will start to change. And we've all heard that a million times over, but I promise you from my own experience, it is completely true. And what I would say to you is don't, do not believe me, do it yourself. And if nothing is manifesting, I would still be suspect to see if you really work through everything or to see if the next step is to be patient. Can you then be truly patient with life? Uh, so we're all always looking at that next step and that next challenge. Mm, wow. And for any of our listeners who are, you know, hearing about this energetic practice with their partner and they're like, well, I don't know that I'm actually going to feel anything with that, or maybe they don't. It's, uh, I think the concept of eye gazing and eye connecting is incredibly powerful. And I think uh, feeling into what comes up for you with that can tell you a lot about blocks and in intimacy oh, or yeah. where you are at with allowing somebody in to see you in that way. Um, I've even had clients suggest to them keeping their eyes open when they orgasm and mm -hmm. connecting through the eyes during orgasm and how powerful and how intimate and how emotional that can be. Absolutely. I think I've done eye gazing when I felt super uncomfortable. I was like, oh, that's interesting. I've definitely got some layers to work through around just looking at somebody else in a very real deep way mm. because I would always look at them with my eyes closed because mm. that was my training. And then doing it with my eyes open actually was pretty hard. Wow. So a lot of people have a hard time looking at each other with their eyes closed and some with their eyes open and some both. It's really cool to explore both both sides of it. Well, this is really powerful. I think in this whole episode, you know, we're really talking, we're really expanding people's ideas of what mindfulness and meditation is and that it can be more of an active practice. In fact, in order to navigate or move through some of these things, it's, it's encouraged to do more of an active practice of it than just sitting and being quiet. Yeah. Like if you've got an intense trauma in your past and, you, and you're just sitting in mindfulness and not really addressing it, then it might not be enough to shift the energy in your life to make a change. Mm. So again, mindfulness is an amazing, incredible practice. Do it, use it, incorporate it, but there are more ways that we can explore ourselves. Mm, wow. David, and as we're ending this episode, is there one or two things that tips or advice that you would give to our listeners? Um, yeah. Well, so let's do one for meditation and one for relationships and meditation together. Mm -hmm. So one for meditation, I would say is make sure that you find a practice that you actually really, really enjoy. Otherwise you will never continue. It's just like doing a workout that you don't like. Once nobody's looking, you're not going to do it. Yeah. And for a lot of people, meditation is too hard or too boring. So find something that works. There's literally thousands of different styles. 
approach them with some open-mindedness and honesty, eventually you'll find something that does work. Maybe you're someone that needs something more that's that's just mindfulness. Maybe you're something someone that needs something very spiritual, something very energetic, something in between. Find that right space for you. Set a timer. Make sure you sit for at least, in my experience, 15 or 20 minutes. If you sit for less, it's usually not enough time for your mind to relax. I know a lot of other teachers will say meditate five minutes a day. I think that's great, but even for me, sometimes it takes longer for the mind to calm down. Mm-hmm. I actually prefer to meditate less often for longer periods of time. A lot of teachers will give you the opposite. I think go deeper, go longer, and right when you feel like you're the furthest away, when you feel terrible, where your mind won't stop, where nothing's working, where, when you're anxious, when you feel like you're the furthest away, that is when you're the closest. You're about to break through some energy. So sit longer, sit through it until you get through it. Mm. That would be on the meditation side and on the relationship side, meditate together. I don't care how, whether you're facing each other, sitting next to each other in the same room. If you can start to meditate together and both raise your consciousness and awareness, you're going to communicate in a much less violent way. You're going to have more compassion for each other and your relationship's going to take a really deep step. Just ask the girl I just broke up with. She'll tell you. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, God. And on that note... Her Instagram is... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> How can people find more about you, David? Uh, just Google felon, David. No, sorry. <laughs> um, you can go to groundedmind.com. Uh, you can also go to my podcast, Energy Matters, on iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube, wherever wherever you can find podcasts. I think those two places are good. Yeah, that yeah. sounds good. Yeah. Wow, this was really awesome. Thank you so much for hopping on with me and taking the time out of the jungle too. Kat, it has been such a pleasure. Sorry, I talked so much. I was so excited. (laughs) I love it. So check him out. I highly, highly recommend him. Um, Insight Timer as well. Yes, uh, I have a course, Letting Go of Attachment on Insight Timer. It's like five bucks or something and sit with me for 10 days and let Mm. go of some attachment. You! (laughs) Lovers, thank you again for tuning in. And if you enjoyed the show, please head to eplaysex.com to subscribe to the show, connect with us, and grab my sexy guides because my goal here is to help you to eat, play, and sex better, which will improve every aspect of your life. We'll see you next time on Eat, Play, Sex. Thanks for tuning in, lovers. Don't forget to subscribe to the channel. You can find out more about our guests and topics from our show by checking out eatplaysex.com. Until next time, don't forget to nourish your sex life.